Hello, my name is Hans Martin Jr., your real movie critic. If you enjoy discussing upcoming movie news, looking at new trailers, and reviewing the year's hottest movies, then tune in to... Hey, 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 Hans, Hans! What? Are you doing the promo without me? Uh, yeah, I am. How come? Because everyone knows I'm the better host of this podcast. Oh, it's like that, huh? You think you can review movies better than me? Uh, I don't think I can. I know. Oh, we'll see about that. This is... The Real Movie Critic. Versus... The Cine Guy. Mondays only at CertainPOV.com. Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We're also on Spotify and iTunes. You're going down, critic. Bring it on, guy. Hello, friends. Okay, no, I need my notes. <laughs> I'm such a butt. <laughs> I'm such a butt. Oh my god, I really thought I could do it. Keep it's all so this good. in. Keep it, it in. Oh, of course, no. Oh, that's the. I always cut it out, but then for um. I think Spider-Man is the very last episode of the season. And when we're joking, just leave it all in. I took a chunk of it out and left it right at the beginning because it's so funny. And then I do. And then I did the lead in with our theme music and then actually started the episode. Because I was like, we got to give the kids a little B-roll. Actors to places. Thank you, places. It's time to exit stage death. Welcome back to Exit Stage Death. As always, I am one of your co-hosts, Emily Martinez. And I'm your other co-host, Natty Limerick. My, you just said, and my other co-host, and I love it. And these are the chilling true stories behind your favorite Broadway shows. And sometimes <sighs> your favorite Broadway actors who decide to partake in a docu-series. Now, Maddie... Can you tell our audience today what the fuck we are talking about? We are talking of Keeper of the Ashes. The uh, I think there's a sub, like a subtitle to it, but I think it's the Girl Scout, the the Tulsa Girl Scout murders. But we are covering the four episode. Um, I mean, what what is this true crime obsessed? What is this obsessed <laughs> disappeared? Uh, <laughs> I'm Joey Toronto. <laughs> okay, uh, put us on your network. We would love it. It. Yes, no, Ellen, no, Joey, Patrick, hello. We are so part of certain POV. It is true. No, so we are uh, covering the four episode miniseries from ABC News on Hulu, Keeper of the Ashes. Um, and M, you had been pitching this to me for a while for us to find a way to talk about it. Mm. Um, and it was finally one that I was like, well, we need some, we need some things for the, chi- the children. They, they the need children. some episode. They can't go six months without us. That this would just be true. cruel. True, cruel. True. It'd be cruel. It'd be true, cruel. cruel and true crime. <laughs> true crime. Uh, it's true crime. Uh, true and crime. so, yeah, I, I think it was like a week and a half ago. I texted you and was like, I got some time. You want to do this? Let's do this. And I was just like, we need to talk about this. Because when it came out, I want to say it came out in like the springtime. Yeah, I think um, it was April or May it came out. And I was like, maybe we could do like a live on it. And mm-hmm. then and then that didn't happen. And you know what? I think that's for the best because now we got to like sit with it and meritate. Mm-hmm. And um, and now 
I mean, I rewatched it today. I mm-hmm. I was actually I'm home a little sickly with a cold today. Um, I was it is supposed that to time of year. It is that, that time, time of year. year. Mm-hmm. Literally, we went from like seventy degrees to like thirty, and it was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I love it, but at the same mm-hmm. time, my body's like, get fucked, Martine. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, so yeah. So I was like, well, I can watch this now. So I rewatched it. I like <laughs> re-upped. I like threw in a new email address so I could have a free trial. <laughs> and um, Oh, you should just tell me you could have used I mine. Was going it's fine. To, you literally could have like, used mine. It's fine. I pay a dollar ninety nine a month. Disney's not getting that much money out of me for Hulu. It's fine. Oh hell yes. I know. Um, I've I've literally had Hulu for nine years because I got this incredible deal at New York Comic Con one year that I am forever grandfathered into. So I literally will never let my Hulu go because it is two dollars a month. I wouldn't either. Oh never God. letting it go. Literally never letting it go. And honestly, Hulu, like not a promo for Hulu or anything, but like Hulu's got some good shit there. Like Bob's Burgers. Hello. Bob's Bur- Hello. Absolutely. And they've okay. This is a little bit of a plug because it's going to be months actually after this comes out. But they did. So we're uh, preemptively manifesting an ad for Hulu going. It's right true. In it right here. <laughs> no, they did for Halloween this month because they have because Disney bought 20th Century Fox. They have the exclusive streaming rights for Rocky Horror this October, which is always very hard to come by. Yes. Yeah, Frankenfurter is owned by Disney. It's very weird for me. Um, I did see that on Disney. Plus, and I was like, "That's a choice." That's a choice, but it um the, the straight Christians are gonna be pooey. Oh, if it can come on our TV, it can come on us. I never think the Christian women think about what they say. So we're recording this in October, and I think you all are actually gonna hear it in March. So this will be fun. But they did um Listen, spoopy season all spoopy, all year in this country. It's always in your heart. Uh, um. But they did a thing called the Halloween Drag Stravaganza, which was to advertise the month of Halloween stuff. And it's got some of the, it is not affiliated with RuPaul's Drag Race, but it is hosted by Ginger Minge and Monet Exchange, Drag Race Royalty. But also the cast has like Landon Sider, who is a legendary drag queen, uh, drag king, I'm sorry, who won Dragula. It's got Lady Bunny. It's got Jackie Beat, who like pioneered like, drag entertainment along with like the same time that RuPaul was and I I, I need to watch this it's very fun it's 55 minutes it's a musical it's like it's an old school like variety show but it's all like um Mo Hart and Jujube are in it as well Manila Luzon um oh yeah it's it's a good time uh so go watch that it's literally I think 48 minutes 50 minutes like it it is a good spooky time when you need some of that Halloween in your heart in March don't Mm -hmm. go watch Hocus Pocus 2 go watch who the Halloween drag extravaganza? Hula, hula, Halloween. Halloween. But so, so Emma, well, let's I, <laughs> talk about this spooky yeah. ass time. So, okay. what did you what did you know about this case going into this documentary? I knew. Okay, so um, in a we will get into it, but in a very very broad um description of the mm-hmm. documentary is. It is about um, the Girl Scout murders that happened in 1977 mm-hmm. of uh, the three murders of, I want to get their names right in front of me, so I have them, um, Denise Milner, um, Lori Lee Farmer, and Michelle Guze. Um, and it is about, basically, on their first night of camp at Girl Scout camp, they were all horribly murdered. And um, and 
and it really shook the community in um mm-hmm. I want to, in Oklahoma and um I heard I had never heard about this case until I was listening to in the midst of the pandemic I was listening to a, a fellow Broadway um theatrical and true crime podcast uh by Jessica Vosk and uh Jennifer uh how do you say her last name Jennifer Samard, um, oh, killing Jen it Simard, on yeah. yeah, uh, killing it on Broadway, and they had Kristen Chenoweth on. I want to say for maybe their first or second episodes, and I was like, holy shit! So they would always bring on actors that were also very ups- like very interested and intrigued. I won't, I don't want to say obsessed with true crime, um, but intrigued with um, the 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 genre, and um, kind of would get into like asking them why. And Kristen Chenoweth was like, well, I I became very um, inquisitive about it when I was young because this happened when I was like eight years old. And basically the whole thing is that she almost went to the camp. Um, She was almost at the camp because she was, she was supposed to go and she got sick. And her mom said that she couldn't go to the Girl Scout camp because she was too sick and she was bummed. And to be very clear, that's kind of her only physical Mm -hmm. connection to it. Um, now, so when I saw this come out, I was, the way it was advertised and the way (laughs) it kind of sets itself up is that like, um, you really think that it's going to be a documentary about Kristen Chenoweth doing her part with her platform as I would say pretty A-list celebrity. I would say A or Mm -hmm. B-list celebrity. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Um, using their platform to bring more light to the case. And maybe probably more funding to the case because the case has been unsolved, technically mm-hmm. unsolved, and um, and um, and so that's kind of what I thought it was going to be, and mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be about her kind of getting into the case with these mm-hmm. like investigators asking mm-hmm. questions, but as you quickly realize within the first episode, it's not that at all. And when I was watching it especially watching it back, I was just like, honestly, like, what are we watching? And like, I don't really know who's to blame because like, to be quite fair, I don't want to blame Kristen Chenoweth because I don't want, I don't really know what she was given as a prompt Mm -hmm. because it seems like she's in a completely different documentary Mm -hmm. than, um, than what this documentary is. Mm -hmm. Like, I think like, it feels like she was doing, it feels like she was doing a documentary about her musical theater shit mm-hmm. and then asked a couple of questions about these girls. And then that was put into this documentary. And then like, so yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. my basis. And so when I was watching this, I was watching it the first time I was like, is anybody else seeing what I'm seeing? Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I am number one, very confused. I'm mad. I'm like, like, lividly angry and like mm-hmm. bored at the same time. And I, I was just like, I just need other people to talk to. Like, I was like, why is Kristen Chenoweth walking through these fields that say no trespassing blatantly walking through the no trespassing sign with her hair blowing in the wind. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I was saying to Maddie, <laughs> I was like, when I first watched this, I was just like, I feel like this is our version 
of like Nicole Kidman sitting in an AMC being like, we yes. come here for mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. I was like, is this Broadway's answer to that? Like <laughs> Kristen comes here to walk in the wind. Like she comes here for memories. Like, I'm like, I don't know what's, <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I'm uncomfortable. I, am I, am I alone in this? And mm-hmm. so I was like, Natty, we are watching this yeah. documentary <laughs> and we need to talk about it. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So, it- It's so I think I texted you this. So I watched it for the first time, like two days ago and you brought it up today. You were like, I feel like I'm zoning in and out. And I told you earlier, I was like, I literally realized every like 25 minutes or so that I was zoning out so bad that I missed a key plot point and I had to wind it back. Mm -hmm. So before this, I think I'd only heard of the case with from the episodes of crime junkie and my favorite murder that had covered this. Oh, Um, I probably heard it on my favorite murder too. And it had been forever ago because I too thought that when Cheno was like, Oh, it's this thing. I thought she was kind of Ashley flowers, this thing where like she went in and was like being the figurehead of the, like a new investigation because, because I will say there are a few moments like when she and the the deputy sheriff are out with the tree that's where the girls were found and like they're actually looking around and they're talking about moments in the case and like how they were found. Those moments I was like that's what I was expecting the entire mm-hmm. non-interview portion to be like. But honestly, can I tell you I think they were making the documentary and it wasn't going the way they thought it was going to go. They were realizing that the police hindered so much of the investigation and mm-hmm. there's so little left from that investigation. That even DA, though almost that even fucking th- that fucking DA and that sheriff, both of them the were old so, the old sheriff, like that yeah. original sheriff who had the who had the um he had the the he had like the, the, the gray hair. Yeah, well, he was like vengeful Dog. against Gene Leroy because Gene Leroy had made that that um, d- uh, police department look like schmucks, which they were. They didn't look like schmucks; they were schmucks in the previous trial, and then by also escaping the county prison. Um, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So yeah, <laughs> that I was. It early on, I was confused as to what story they were trying to tell because they did these like plot bombs where they would give you 10 minutes of like really heavy information Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then like 10 minutes of just like whatever fluff and then 10 minutes of information. Um, I mean, honestly, going in, I think this could have been a 90 minute documentary, absolutely not a five, not a was a four, 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 five, four, 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 parts. four mm-hmm. 45 minute parts. Mm-hmm. It was insanity. I was like, this mm-hmm. does not have to be so long. And to mm-hmm. be, I was honestly thinking about it. I was like, cons- conspiratizing, if that's mm-hmm. even a word, as I was watching, I was like, I wonder if, if the people that made this documentary who were in charge of editing it and who were in charge of like, like the storyline of it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they knew that people were going to zone out because of the fluff that they put in, because that's all intentional. Like nothing yeah. in a documentary is unintentional because there's always, there's always some kind of bias in a, mm-hmm. in a, in a documentary. And I'm like, I really wonder because I was telling you that I like, I thought I remembered how it went. I thought I remembered how the documentary went and I was mm-hmm. believing a certain through line, but then mm-hmm. I got bored and I st- wanted to stop watching. So I mm-hmm. kind of left the documentary thinking, 
it was this one person yep. rather than other information coming in later in the series. Cause I was like, I was so bored that I just like, Oh, I didn't want to continue. And so I thought it went another way than how it actually did. I was just like, did they do that on purpose? Cause they knew that they didn't really have much that it's like the amount of people that may have dropped off by the end of episode two, because the shit that like, I was just like, Oh, I, Okay, so my question to you, Maddie, is how do we want to how do we want to frame this episode? Because do we want to go through like the plot, or do we want to go through like just kind of how we feel about it? I th- I th- let's talk about how we feel because I think it's going to bring up a lot of um a lot of the general questions that we have. Yeah. So I mean, because essentially all of the interview portions with the with the people so i'm going to i'm going to say there's the interview portions with Kristen there's mm-hmm. the interview portions with the camp counselor and the parents and then you have where the, could that we, whole documentary with have been in the perspective of the camp counselors god uh, bless her Kathy. Well, god bless Kathy. that poor girl like Ugh. i feel like she trauma bombed that moment and like never was able to recover because like they opened with her singing a campfire song mm-hmm. and like and then they have the third set because it's really these three different moments to me and then they have the third set of the like the cops the reporters and the people that were there the lawyers all mm-hmm. of that, all of that info that we got out of that third group made the most sense to me. That is where the story was being crafted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like maybe that was the original story they thought they were telling. Mm-hmm. Because clearly to me, it feels like when they were shooting it versus when it was being edited, there are two different scripts that were being used. Yes. Because yes. I feel like they were setting out to try to solve this case or at least get closer to what actually happened. Mm-hmm. But it's also ABC, which is also Disney. So I'm wondering if mm. they, I'm wondering if something happened along the way and they were worried that taking a specific tone was going to upset parties involved. And uh. so they opted not to. Because I don't know if you noticed, um, let me find their name. Because also I thought it was unusual because I can't find info online that we only meet two of the three sets of parents. I'm yeah, assuming... we never we never uh, meet Michelle Gouzet's family. They're not and involved. I, I'm wondering if they passed away or they just decided that it was not worth living through again. And also, but like, even if they did pass away, there were no family members to tell us anything nope. about Michelle. So nope. we have no idea even what her personality was like when she yep. was all that. The only thing is that she like played soccer Yep. and like, and that's that, that all three of the girls together, like the camp counselor was saying, like I saw these three shy girls that could have formed such a nice bond and may, maybe could have been like lifelong friends in that one day that they, she had known them. But it's clear to me, looking at um, Betty Milner, who is Mm -hmm. Denise's mom, and then Mm -hmm. Sherry Farmer, who is Lori's mom, Mm -hmm. they're two very different people. They're Mm -hmm. from two very different groups. So something I didn't realize is how wide of a net that Camp Scott, which is the camp that it takes place at, pulled girls from different troops yeah um because that's even the thing in the first 10 minutes Kristen's like i didn't actually know any of the girls and yeah. that is when i because so i watched episode one back 
in July when I was watching a friend's apartment and I was just like, this is not fun for me. This is not interesting. It's not a fun trying to kind of true crime. And I was just like, why is Kristen here? But what I realized this time around is every time we see info, we, cause we see a bunch of interviews from the parents in the seventies and eighties. And then now um, it's clear that Lori's family is economically and sociopolitically from a different group mm-hmm. than Denise's pa- family was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's clear that like Betty has been working class her entire life. The family struggled. Um, and also because of that, I didn't realize that like Denise is from Tulsa and the rest mm-hmm. of the girls were from small, smaller town, Oklahoma, but because the camp was closer to Tulsa. It's why it fell under like Tulsa police. But it also like, I realized that that was the community that had been affected by the Tulsa riots Mm -hmm. literally like 20 years before. Mm -hmm. So like we understand that it's like a, it's a mostly not white community poor um, purposely that has been like victimized by the police and by their state government and things for like the entirety of the Oklahoma existing as a, a state Oh, I think it's very important for us to say that Denise was a little black girl yes. and that the other two families were white. And yep. I think that's very evident in this. I think the way that, and, and, and I, I like, you know, of course you always want to be careful with like how you say things and how, yes. how things are presented. But like, I think that's what I'm, I'm actually like, I screenshotted a review, um, an audience review that I think mm-hmm. kind of really, I was like, wow, this person is picking out the points of why this documentary just didn't work. And um, I would love to read the whole thing, but I think the main, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the main thing that it says is that there was no bravery in Mm -hmm. this. The amount of times, the amount of opportunities that, um, that it's clear that like race was a huge deciding factor in the murder um, in allegedly, allegedly, but like, it's very clear on how one child was treated versus the other two children who all these, these children should be grown ass women. Now they should be like living the lives and like have had like futures abundance, but like they didn't. And Mm -hmm. the fact that it's not, it's barely touched upon that, um, Denise who number one is, is not her mother calls her Denise. The amount of times that she is her, her full name is um, Doris Denise Milner, mm-hmm. but her mother refers to her as Denise. So that is her name. The amount of times that everybody calls her Doris, I'm like, there's number one disrespect of like, mm-hmm. not like, this is what this child's name was. This is what mm-hmm. she went by. Like, please respect that. And like, it just felt like, it, it, I felt like Lori's mother was just like, highlighted as oh you know oh she's always in the spotlight where denise's mother was like only interviewed sometimes and and when they interviewed her it was like always in like a corner of her home and like Mm -hmm. in darkness where like Lori's mother was like outside like as if she was like always in action and aware like this is allegedly this is how i'm seeing Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. with like a more critical eye but i'm just like these are different stories that are being told Mm -hmm. this is not these are the victims, a collective group. This is like, but then at the same time, they're not actually talking about the thing. They're not mm-hmm. actually like getting into it. They're not, they're not doing like profiling on someone that would, 
that would take the lives of two girls, two of the girls, like without any kind of, uh, um, what's the, what's the word I want to say, uh, of like intimacy in a way mm-hmm. of, of the attack, like the way that Denise died with the way they explain it in the last episode is like, that should have been said in the first fucking episode. Mm-hmm. Like, because that is a huge reason. That is a huge mode of of evidence and it's Mm -hmm. like that would give more information on how a killer worked on how a serial Mm -hmm. killer works it's just like these are i was like these are profiles people because when he walked when they walked through and they recreated the whole thing wasn't the idea that denise was the target and he had to kill the other two girls to get Mm -hmm. to denise yeah but then i read another thing where they're like there's no scientific evidence on that anything happened the way that that sheriff just like of course (laughs) well it's also because of everything that sheriff says later i have no it's just disgusting that he was given so much screen time so my my thing is they also so also as we're going through if it's uh, it's so interesting because this case they kind of very quickly figured out who they think did it and Mm -hmm. it was a um a uh, someone who had literally just escaped from jail uh he was a uh, uh, a convicted sex offender uh he kidnapper convi- burglar kidnapper burglar uh, abuser um named Gene Leroy Hart which i think is so interesting they chose to focus on the idea that the town looked at him at one point as the all-american boy mm-hmm. the golden boy because i think they were trying to make the community seem not racist. Mm-hmm. So the thing that comes out very quickly is that Gene Leroy Hart is of uh, one of the indigenous people that are uh, had large communities in the Oklahoma Territory where they Was were. Was it Cherokee? Cherokee. There and there were two because like he's there Cherokee. The, he's Cherokee, and then the police officer who was also First Nations is from another like um tribe who had conflict with them and so Mm -hmm. it was very um and so they did a lot of groundwork before you started hearing anybody talk about gene leroy they wanted to make sure that you knew that everybody in the town loved him and that there was no way it was going to happen because it also is really interesting and it's a dichotomy they never talk about is that they would it's it's still like this idea when we talked about parade Mm -hmm. that they still decided that they were going to absolve the idea that this is the white community. This is the white community. And that they were like, Oh yeah. That like, um, there's no way he would have done this. A a native man wouldn't have killed the little black girl. Like it was one of those things like to Denise's mom. And she was just like, well, how do we know? Like, Mm -hmm. how do we know? Um, and this documentary does really kind of do everything it can to like go along with the idea that like the police said that Gene Leroy did it and that he was the one that did it, but you know, maybe he didn't because then in that last episode, it happens a little in the third episode, but like, um, Oh, Lori's dad specifically and Lori's mom were like, we never got a fair trial because we were white in a community of not white people. So we were never going to get justice. And I, they didn't quite quite say they veiled it. They didn't quite say that because I think if, if they had actually said that it'd been like, okay, well let's talk about it. But like they they, they got to that line. Yeah. They they veiled it by saying, they veiled it by saying like we were outsiders Mm -hmm. and it's like, it's okay to feel like you're an outsider, mm-hmm. but 
<laughs> but when it comes down to it, they moved the trial so mm-hmm. that there would be less public opinion and less sway from the jury. But like, it's not because of the community that they were in. It's because the fucking DA leaked so much information to the press that they, the yeah. press was swaying their own information anyway. Like, yep. and, and it didn't help. I mean, cause he did insinuate. He was like, because we're small town people and it went to Tulsa it was not our people. So to me, I yeah, literally that, was just like, that, says, that was yeah. as far as he could get. And I get feeling like an outsider, but he's so focused on race at that point that uh-huh. he's not willing to say that he is also being racist because mm-hmm. I think a jury is going to look and see that it is three little girls of all of different races who were all murdered in mm-hmm. their sleep. And they were like eight, nine years old, like babies, oh, um, babies, babies. And, and so, but the thing that stood out to me is from the beginning, it was clear that they, Jean Leroy was going to be their killer. Even if they did not have a single bit of, of uh single bit of um evidence. Uh, evidence. Yeah. And, and it's, because you kind of feel for the cops and the community in that first episode and in kind of that second episode. Because mm-hmm. the second episode, they set up that like Gene Leroy fell to drugs and alcohol because he didn't go to college and he decided to get married right out of school and things. And I was mm-hmm. just like, and they were just like, he could have had everything because football was life and he was such an amazing football player. And so they really, it's, I think maybe thinking about it later that they really set it up that like he was his own, he was the reason why he went down a wrong path because he decided not to go to a white university and play football. Like it. Yeah. And there's was, always this like underlying shit that doesn't get talked about. And I feel like things are only just, I mean, it's been there, but I feel like people are only just starting to talk about like the generational trauma and I can barely speak on this, but just yeah. from what I've heard is like the generational trauma that comes from um, indigenous communities because of mm-hmm. what's happened to their fucking ancestors mm-hmm. by white people. And I mean, it's even mentioned a little bit in this documentary mm-hmm. of the, what was it? What did they call it? Something. Um, uh, bu- 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 I don't want to say though the relocation. It was just yes. more mm-hmm. more um, indigenous folk being pushed out of even the reservations that they have. Yep. I think in this one they were talking about the Wewoka reservation of like yep. I think this is the area where it's like they um so like and 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 yes like from from what I've 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 heard in different news sources and podcasts about missing indigenous women like that they're there is a lot of issues. There are a lot of issues of generational trauma and, and um, addiction abuse and, and addiction issues and, and violence like between, like between men who are indigenous Mm -hmm. towards women who are indigenous. And that's a big thing. But like, that is, is that like a crux that this, like Mm -hmm. that this, like, is that what they're trying to tell in this? Like, even in this, like in this this um review that I'm reading, it's like they never, and they bring up this great point. It's like, they never actually interview anybody who's in the indigenous community who knew Leroy. Like yep. we only hear from that investigator that, um, that was he a cop? The, mm-hmm. the, yeah. I didn't get it. Didn't get its name, but like, you know, we don't hear any other indigenous voices. We don't hear mm-hmm. any other 
Native people's voices in this as we just so we just hear like a couple of white people being like oh no nah, he was a good guy and it's just like well <laughs> it's like well, are you saying that just to cover your own ass or was mm-hmm. he actually a bad guy mm-hmm. like we it's like there's, there's no like where's the truth here I think it's because they wouldn't have been able to find anybody who wouldn't have spoken poorly about the the uh, police system and the governing bodies that have like because they flat out said like that was the one thing that they did say it's they moved they were relocating everybody and encouraging them to go into urban centers because then the government's dollar was not responsible for taking care of those people. They were just like, look, you can go and work and like, look at all these skills you're developing. But because people were still seeing them as not white, they were seeing them as other, they were seeing them as less than as still forgive the idea of the quote, but savage. Like there was just so much that like they were getting these people to urban centers where they were then stuck in poverty and Mm -hmm. the government was not responsible for them anymore. And that's what they were doing. And so that's also why like they were also going to the same places that a lot of the black communities and Latin and Hispanic communities were in, because that was the places that they had been kind of pushed towards. Um, And so it's, it's just no step of the way because they also flat out will say, this, 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 and this could not have happened because they were physically like not there the day before. And it was clear that there was police tampering, but even when they were like, oh, there was like police the, tampering, like the, the glasses, the glasses, and... the photo, the photographs that there were like a few clothing items that literally when the girls bodies were found, were still in the cabins. They were like, mm-hmm. literally somebody came forward later and said that those photographs were in the sheriff's desk until the morning they were found in the cave. Mm-hmm. Like there's just so much that, um, and so this is something, am I brought up to you earlier that I think I need to preface as we're going through this. This is an example where a awful person is not guilty of this particular awful thing. So it's one of those things that like Gene Leroy Brown, uh, Gene Leroy, oh God, what's his last name? Gene Leroy, uh, oh, Hart, not Brown. Gene Leroy Hart was guilty of abuse, of rape, of burglaring, all these things that he was breaking out for prison for. He is still responsible for those things. He was still a terrible person for those things. But it does not also mean that he was not completely set up in this and was also a victim of this situation. So that's one of those things that I think we have to, it's a very sensitive situation where we're just like, Oh no, he was terrible and guilty and did bad things, but he didn't do this particular bad thing. Cause I don't know about you, but there is no way at the end of the day that he actually did the murder because we have like, they have like DNA, the little bit of DNA proof that they have. They could not, the, the, the actual, like scientific authorities said that there's no possible way that he could be tied to being the guilty party in this. Mm. And, but even then that uh, I love that the current sheriff went, yeah, it's not completely, but there's no doubt in my mind that he was, he was like, yeah, that's what the official said, but there's no way that he didn't do it. And I was like, how are you so willing to die for this idea of what it means to be a police officer that you are willing to, just spout incorrect and scientifically proven information on Mm. this thing. Like I just, I, I kind of go back and forth. I didn't catch. I, is that, is that what happened with the DNA? Is that he, cause they did say that the DNA had deteriorated so much that they couldn't Mm -hmm. quite like there there couldn't be a hundred percent thing, but it's um, like, 
but it 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 was such a partial match for mm-hmm. what like it was it was one of those things that also because you had so much of the community that was related and whatnot that they were like it could it's just it was so long to be mm-hmm. tested because the biggest thing was when dna came about in like 1987 1988 it had only been 10 years mm-hmm. and out of i think she said there were like 3000 items collected from the crime scene mm-hmm. and one thing got tested in 1989 yeah one and single like, thing there was one um fingerprint, fingerprint that was, but it was smudged, smudged. Mm-hmm. and I mean, just the way that the murder happened, it didn't seem like someone who was slick with their shit. Mm-mm. Like, no. it's just like, it didn't seem no. like that. It seemed like it was like very heat of the moment, like maybe planned that day, but like, it didn't mm-hmm. seem like it was something that was calculated for months. Um, mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah, it's, it, I mean, there's a moment where they talk about like, maybe this other person that showed up uh, by the name of fucking um, Will Bill or William Stevens, who showed up to his home and with red stains on his boots and scratches on his face, and I'm like, that's all we're gonna hear about this guy. We're not like Kristen. Why aren't we going into this and, and investigating and, and him? And he'd been seen around the camp earlier that day. And literally. I saw a picture of that motherfucker. He looked creepy as hell. He creepy was, as fuck. I don't know if he was an escapee, but he or he was recently released from prison. But recently he was, released, mm-hmm. he was an inmate, and he was an and inmate for rape, I believe, of of a young woman, like of an oh. underage woman. Yeah, like but uh, you of know, a girl. but you know, like let's not investigate him because because that's I think leap, looping back to what you were saying before is that like you can be a shitty person and have done shitty things and crimes and still be held responsible for those, but that doesn't mean you've done every crime, right? Um, where it's like, it's even said in the documentary, which is like, there are good parts of this documentary where I'm like, yes. where I'm like, that. see, this is good storytelling because like, you're making me try to figure it out in the moment too mm-hmm. of like, the main reason that at least allegedly that like, we think that, that Leroy is being um, framed by the police, that it was kind of being shown like, this is like, this is what we're seeing is that the... Uh, the sheriff was like wanted to get back at Leroy because he had humiliated him by, by um, escaping prison, not once, but twice. Twice. Mm-hmm. And like he, he escaped prison the second time he was, he escaped the first time. Um, and within like three weeks was caught. And then like, or no, maybe even sh- shorter than that. Maybe a couple yeah. days was mm-hmm. caught mm-hmm. and then escaped like three weeks later again. And, um, and then he wasn't caught for, I want to think, say maybe like two years, Maddie, like he was mm-hmm. like living and he was living in the woods. Like he was basically mm-hmm. a very skilled woodsman. You know, he was surviving out there. Although there were some people that were like, there was no way that he could survive on, on what he was eating out there. And it's right. just like, well, you don't know. You don't know. I've, have you seen alone? People have survived right. some shit. Well, and that's, well, and that's why they were saying too, that this time, like it was so, I think it was embarrassing for the police. Cause when they mm-hmm. finally found him, the wife of the medicine man and the medicine man were like, he's literally just been here for two months. Like the, the three months after the, um, the manhunt at the camp. Yeah. We were like, we've combed everything and blah, blah, blah. And they were like, he's literally been here the entire time. Like he has not left this cabin. Like it's like, it's, they're just those moments that I just kept going. What? Oh, and that's when, okay. uh, It's like they just wanted an easy out where they didn't want to do the actual work that was, 
that had to be done for this. Yeah. And of course it like rained that night. So like any mm-hmm. evidence was probably any real evidence was probably fucked up by all the mm-hmm. rain. Like, mm-hmm. well, in something that they gloss over so quickly, but it sets up that like unspoken racism in part four uh-huh. is the fucking skinwalker shapeshifter bullshit. Oh, that come was on. Li- that was literally oh, quoted as God. truth and was like, they were just like, yeah, these people, you're never sure what they're capable of. Quote, and I was unquote, just like, these people, these, these people, people. Yeah. And like-, like the fact that that rhetoric was being used by people recounting stories today from literally 50 years 40 years ago they were like like that this they're like well they had these dogs chasing them and then at some point the dogs just gave up as if they lost the trail midway through the field and then or they'd look up as if the shapeshifter had turned into a had turned into a falcon and disappeared and guess what those dogs died and it's like are you are you are you on something like are did you mm-hmm. what did you smoke before this because and that was literally 20 minutes of the documentary it was so like, stop fucking talking. Like, just stop. To me, that is further, that's like further argument for me that like the whole thing was just like this, like this parody of like mm-hmm. theatrical justice. And yeah. they were still looking at it as like, it was a legitimate part of the whole like thing. Cause they were also tempering that in with just like, there's no way he could have done it. He was a good boy. You know, he used to come in yeah. and eat at my diner every day and he was so nice. And I was like, I think that's why what I was so confused. Do? Yeah. I, I don't... think I, I was watching it and I was like, I don't get what this point of view of this documentary is because like, I don't fucking get it. Like, are yeah. you trying to disprove? Because I want to say like the documentary didn't really disprove him. It no. was just like, they just, even in the end, they just kept throwing out, well, it could still be him. And I'm like, is yep. this, is this Halloween where we don't no. know if Mike, like Michael's dead? Like, it was just like, what the fuck? Like, it was so I and this one line, I think it was the sheriff, the old sheriff, not the bald sheriff, yeah. of um <laughs> I like our descriptions of the sheriffs. So like they old don't sheriff, need bald sheriff, no. Um, oh, a cab. This is for yeah. I do not stand with the rights of police. So like a cab. Um, but like how he um he said he's just like, Yeah, well, in regards to the um the trial on how um the um the state couldn't come up with really like they had no smoking gun they thought they just had a lot of um circumstantial evidence there was no there was nothing um accredited like really accredited Mm -hmm. that could be like this proves it Mm -hmm. um where like because that's that's that is that is what a trial is for it's either to there is 100 percent no doubt that this person committed the crime or here's a sliver of doubt it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be one way or the other. And that's what makes our system pretty fucked up. But, like, it is how our system works. And, like, um, and the, and what was it? The, 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 the he said, um, oh, yeah, it was all circumstantial. But it was a lot of circumstances. And at some point, and I was like, at some point, what? Like, circ- like circumstances can be can be interpreted in different ways like it's mm-hmm. just your opinion my guy yeah. like so, like that's why it's circumstantial it's not evidentiary support like mm-hmm. that's why you continuously say allegedly 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 it's just like the fact that he was just like well i mean some at some point a lot of circumstances become truth mm-hmm. i was like but 
does it, my guy? I don't think it does. <laughs> it's like, been almost 50 years. It's been proven that it's not. Like, y'all got to chill the fuck out. Like, this and is... And look, uh, look for the actual murder to bring justice to these fucking victims. Well, I think that's probably what they were trying to do. But, like, Em, I think they probably realized that they didn't keep any tips they didn't keep any other information. So literally, even if they wanted to start to do any research, they wanted to start looking into it. Other than that one guy, not a single name was thrown out. Mm -hmm. Nothing else was talked about. And I think this team probably realized that it was too far gone at this point. Yeah. And literally, unless somebody who is connected with the person comes forward, they are never going to know who did this atrocious crime. Mm -hmm. And that to me is a big crime. But can I tell you what the biggest crime is? What? that fucking performance of four good at the end of episode four <laughs> watching Kristen teach that stupid fucking workshop uh that, see that's where i'm thinking like did she think it was a completely different documentary mm -hmm. because like okay so Kristen has basically an entire performing arts i even asked gabe uh because yeah. i was talking to him about this and he was just like oh Broken Arrow is literally like it should be just called just be called like Kristen Chenoweth because it's yeah. like every he's like the the amount of stuff dedicated to her in that entire town mm -hmm. is it's wild. He's like it's like a shrine to her. it's like Dolly Dolly Park it's like Dollyville or whatever. It's like Dollywood, it's just like yeah. mm -hmm. Dollywood. Um he's like it's truly like everything is dedicated to her. And she has a huge performing arts center which is apparently very very beautiful. But also like she developed because I was looking it up cuz I was like I'm very curious about this like boot mm -hmm. camp that she had. And how this this girl who, um, well, let's just fucking uh -huh. say it. She, she was is not a good. <laughs> I'm so she sorry. She may have been. She may have been nervous. I'm not yeah. going. I'm not going after that because I sounded yeah. a little like that yeah. in high in high school. But like, what what bugs me is that I'm like, what are you trying to say in this documentary? And especially in the time that we live in now, when like you created this, you she this 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 program was created to like they even say it they're like to help the underdog to help the people who who don't feel as seen in the community who don't feel um mm -hmm. as recognized and as represented in the community in the theater to like give them a space to like perform and the person that she chooses to sing with her is a conventionally like thin tall blonde aryan like woman like i'm just mm -hmm. like I don't know what this girl has gone through in her life. I don't yeah. know if she won a contest. Like, hey, like, get your flowers where you get your flowers. But, like, Kristen, like, if you want to, like, or p whoever chose her, like, if you, if, if the, if the organization is made to lift up voices that don't get to be heard a lot, mm -hmm. we get to see a lot of, a lot of thin, tall, conventionally, like, pretty, like, women singing those songs and i'm like and you're saying and she's singing the alphaba part and i'm like alphaba was everything not that like yeah. alphaba was the other alphaba was the outsider like I, I, and it just i was just like what an opportunity not to say like oh she should have just chosen a person of color because that isn't that's not the thing like that's not the point no but like yeah. the amount of people that were probably in that room that were wildly talented that we don't get to hear anybody like why don't we get to hear anybody else sing we just hear them yep. doing their like warm-ups and it's just like i don't 
Can I can I tell you? Yeah, I feel like sorry. it should have been a, no. I think it should have been a group of kids. I think oh. it should have been a group. It should have been the community of. Why not a choir? It should have been, the, should have been a choir. It should have been a group of kids. It should have been the Girl Scout troop. Like it should have been Come something on. much larger. Like it should have been something so much larger because I thought it was in such poor taste when they were just like, "This is to what those girls could have been, who they could have been." And I was just like, "Wow, why, why don't we just keep rubbing salt in the wound that these girls aren't here to like." create a future for themselves also maybe those girls were just going to like have jobs and have a family and like just exist in their community like there's this idea that like people who are like this happens a lot Mm -hmm. with like the abortion rights activists Mm -hmm. when they're like that kid could have cured cancer and i was like yes so could have the queer kid that killed themselves because your kid bullied them so it's just like not everybody has to do something great in their lifetime like not anybody is going to do life or so, to yeah. be worthy of love or and it was just one of those things i was like it felt like they were so filling time because they realized mm-hmm. they didn't actually have any answers yep. and actually we're at the point i'm sorry that we need to be if you're making a documentary because it's like a podcast anybody can make one mm-hmm. literally you know if you've got friends that are good editors and you've got the cameras and a studio that'll back you like I was even saying to you earlier that like I saw an advertisement for a Sharon Osbourne documentary that I thought actually looked really great until I realized it was Fox News making it. Like (laughs) literally, if you have the right tone of people editing something and it's written in a tone that people are going to believe, people will believe whatever you say in that documentary. And this is such a misuse of resources. It's such a misuse of time. Because like also think about – so it sounds like Lori's family – I've, uh, has been able to focus a lot of their time and money and resources to making sure that the legacy of the girls, but let's be honest, the legacy of their daughter. Yeah. There's never the murder, conversation about nope. the three girls. A yep. couple of times it said the girls, but it's always just Lori. I'm like, Lori is not the only one that lost her life yep. that night. Like, mm-hmm. and I just imagine that the, that Lori's family probably has resources that the other two families didn't have, frankly, and like, coming down to it. What I, what I'm like, why, why is there never a discussion of like, here is an organ, here is an organization that we created in our daughter's name or in this girl's name to like, to, to, uh, to end this or like, or, or why is there not a chapter of like the Girl Scouts were to like, to honor the, these three Mm -hmm. girls? Like, I'm just like, it just feels like, and there's even a moment where like Lori's parents go they're like, well, this crime is, well, Leroy is found not guilty. So we want all of the evidence. And it's just like, so you want to, do you want to take away any chance of someone investigating this mm-hmm. again in the future? Because your case is still, your case is not quite closed. If you didn't find the murderer, your case yep. is not closed. It's yep. cold. And like, it's so cold, you, but it's not closed. Yeah. And like, so you want to take away any opportunity for people to to try to help in the future when more, when more things can be like investigated and like, and then they just gave up. And I, mm-hmm. I, I, it's not my place healing. Right. You have to heal the way you have to heal. But it was just like the, the, the family that had the most resources. Like I was just like, mm-hmm. you only care about, it just makes me sad. I was like, you only care about your child. Like mm-hmm. there were two other little girls that were lost that day. And like, uh, it's just like fuck like yeah it it's so hard like that's really hard to like get my head around because it's not my place to have mm-hmm. an opinion on that but like they said it in a documentary that was public so i think they kind of allow people to ha- mm-hmm. like by saying that 
they kind of open it up for people to have their opinion about how they responded to it. But like, I don't know. I was just a little confused at that where I was just like, wow, you really only, you really only care about your own. And it, I don't know. It just felt like, mm-hmm. felt very, yep. um, it felt very, uh, white and privileged to me. Yeah. Also, that, to act also, like that. also, I, you know, I don't want to be petty, but just cause I work in like garments and costuming, who told Lori's mom that that dress was appropriate for her to wear on screen? I'm you not said that. I didn't, her body. I didn't I'm not, really see I'm not, that. I'm not trying to police her body, but literally it was all in the first episode. It is all the way up to her butt, like all the way up. Oh, like, I didn't notice. So, and it's not that I think she needs to be modest. It's just, I think some dresses look beautiful standing up. And when she was standing up, she looked stunning. It was a beautiful dress, but it rode up really. And, you know, again, I'm not here to like police a woman's body or tell her what is well, like. Well, that's a producer's for her to... job to be like, yeah, hey, I, like, this, yeah. we want you to be in the best light for this. Yeah. Yeah. For this uh, documentary, and, like. Plus, yeah. I imagine that they sat there probably for six or seven hours doing interviews and yeah. um, and like it I you want to be comfortable. And that is just an off the rack dress that didn't look comfortable because like yeah. her husband was in like a, a, a quarter zip like oh, turtleneck you know, and khakis. Spreading. Oh, yeah. Oh, he was awful. Like I was like if and I think there was a reason why they didn't let him they didn't use any of his audio until the third episode because mm. I imagine if that was the best of what we heard of him I don't want to hear what the worst was also because for them it also it was because I always felt bad every time Betty was on screen because for her mm. she was reliving it over and over again yeah. and I think the farmers had moved past reliving it because mm-hmm. they had the resources to start working for justice and they haven't worked for them because they're only yeah. looking at working for Lori and not mm-hmm. as the overall systemic issue because yep. let's be honest the systemic issue is their system it's their city and it's the local governance it's like it's just a and this this is it's a crime it's a literal crime that they wasted all of this time and resources on this documentary and they're no closer to figuring out who the the murderer was yeah and like I, another thing that broke my heart about about Betty's like side of it was that just to go with the resources like she literally said i didn't have anybody to talk to she's like the amount of she's like my family my friends church members like if I would call someone, they would just cry and they wouldn't let me, they basically, she was like, nobody had, nobody held space for me to feel what I needed to feel. Yeah. Like she said, I think she said her mother would come over and put down all the pictures of, of Denise, like around the house, like as if she didn't exist. Like she was just like, she was just like, I had to remind myself that Denise was actually a person that lived on this earth for the time that she was there. Like I had to constantly remind myself because people around me like weren't weren't giving me the support I needed mm-hmm. and um and you can see that and you can see that in her body you can it's she's weighted down so heavily that like if she had had more I mean maybe she did and I don't know obviously but like mm-hmm. from from what she was saying she made it seem as if like truly she she didn't have anyone to like process it with like mm-hmm. Or, or process it for the amount of time she needed because she still seems kind of stuck in it and yep. um, all these years later. And, I mean, there's never going to be a point where a mother doesn't mourn her child, but, like, it, it, it felt so fresh every time she would talk about it. And, like, oh, my God, just interviews of her when she was 
when it was happening through the trial, mm. you were, you could just see it. Like mm-hmm. you could just feel the weight. It's like you were in the room with her. Like, mm-hmm. and I was just like, like maybe she only offered what she could for the mm-hmm. documentary. Maybe she was like, I'll just do an interview. But like, mm-hmm. I wanted to follow her around. I wanted to follow mm-hmm. Betty around with like investigators to be like, like I, I wouldn't have wanted this woman to relive trauma, but like, I would have much rather see her walk through a fucking field than Kristen. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's like, I, I, I cared so much about Betty. I cared so much mm-hmm. about her story. And, and honestly, even if all the mothers were together in this, it's like, we care, like, that's what we care about. We care about the mm-hmm. legacy of these girls. Like we don't care about everything else. Like we, we want justice for them. And fuck. Like, I just maybe someone will have seen this documentary and see the vitriol that the online community has for it and like be like um we're gonna like maybe Maggie Freeling will take this on and be like well we're gonna figure this one out <laughs> like maybe Paul Holes can figure this one out because like mm, uh, can I can I can I answer that question for you oh yes so uh from what, an what? article an article that came out six days ago Oh shit! Uh, there is uh, there is another new streaming service, which is a news media, that is opening up and doing a documentary uh, that is a direct spinoff of this documentary from the perspective of law enforcement working with the law enforcement because that sheriff says the case is almost closed. We have the answers. So the new streaming <laughs> service, Fox Nation. Oh, fuck. The new streaming service from Fox is going in with a Texas production crew and saw in in answering this. It is a subscription based series and it premiered this week. The first episode. Um, Holy shit. Like, I will. I will not be watching that. Oh, no. Myself. No, Um, no, no, no. I don't care about what they have to say. Because they're Um, just going to pin it on Leroy. Yep. They're just going to bring it back there. Or they're going to find because now this article does say it's from Variety. There is there is a potential killer that is not talked about in um the the Hulu documentary that was acquitted. Like he was going through the process that wasn't the the guy that with the blood on his shoes. So that is interesting that someone was completely left out of this documentary. That is interesting to me, but I find it hard that they're actually going to fully pursue that that route, uh, considering he is white. Uh, is what this mm. article alludes to. This what? is from Variety, so I assume yeah. that it is. What's, what's the name of the article? Um, if Fox Nation Girl Scout Murders documentary here, I'll just send it to you in our chat. Okay, because like um, I don't want to read. That's wild. It's, it's very short. It's very short, but um, but yeah, this literally is premiered this week. So if anybody else wants to watch it and give us their thing, I don't recommend you do that because don't give those people your money. Um, if you can download it illegally, do that without getting in trouble with your your internet provider. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I feel like if they'd really focused in, well, also because something I noticed just because I'm always very aware of like body language and people's languages and things that like Mm -hmm. Sherry Farmer always, even in the 1977 footage is always speaking for the group of parents. She is always the person speaking. Mm. And so 
Yeah. And Betty always looks like she's reliving the worst moment of her life because mm-hmm. she probably still is. And it's it's also a shame that like they didn't let um oh what is her name? It's right here. Andrea Fielding from OSBI, the director for forensic science services that came in at the last episode and was like, No, all of these people were literally idiots. Like I want her yeah, entire well, interview. I was like, Can we just have her? Like let the women well, do the fucking work. Her and Cheryl Stokes, who was the um, family advocate specialist for the National Center of Missing and Exploited Children, Mm -hmm. they came in in the 11th hour of this and they didn't let them provide the information that they had. Like, that is (laughs) appalling. Yeah. I feel like they, again, I don't want to always have conspiracy theory brain, but I feel like they know something or something was pointing somewhere. The cops obviously knew something and... Yeah. It is got it is I I don't allegedly understand. allegedly just to I, cover our ass allegedly. I don't yeah allegedly I don't understand how this is going to be solved with what everybody knows now. I'm sure there's a lot that the public can't know doesn't know but also yeah. it sounds like this has been in the public eye long enough and that the between that terrible DA and the uh the sheriff and everything in the current sheriff and i'm sure every sheriff in the middle was the same it's there's just no way between those two bodies there's no way that they're going to actually find out the information they need well i think i think we probably like if if information and he the the first da that was on this case um sid something sid da, 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 da. um I'm going to find his name. Okay. Well, the DA whose name is Sid, um, he, um, he was like leaking information to the press Mm -hmm. and was put on the stand and just blatantly lied perjury. Mm -hmm. And they were like, he's, (laughs) he's fucking lying. Like, this is like, this is proven that he has given this we have people that are saying that he gave us this information and that's why that's why in so many cases like police don't give out information like key details of the case because that will sway public opinion on mm-hmm. one person without uh, based on not evidentiary support based on um the circumstances circumstantial mm-hmm. stuff and like that's why the back and forth in this huge like seesaw of emotions on, on how people felt about Roy were going back and forth. And it was just like, there couldn't have been the proper investigation about him because of the shit that was leaked. And so, and who knows what was leaked about other people that were potential suspects in this case. And it was just like, he may, they may not have like let a thousand people trample the, the investigation site, but he did that with the information he gave out. Mm -hmm. Like he may, they may as well have like, that's basically what it became. And it just makes me so mad. May I, may I read this, um, this review that someone says, yes, please do. Okay. So this was on IMDB, um, by a writer called ARP cats, AARP cats, um, sad study of a murder of three little girls. Uh, Christian Chenoweth revisits her hometown in Broken Arrow and the horror visited on her childhood when a murderer took the life of a school chum. I was like, ooh, you British? And two other girls 45 years ago. She visits her old high school and the Girl Scout camp that was the site of the murders while the story shifts back and forth to the girls, their parents, and the lawmen. Parts of Oklahoma are a racist dream come true. 
Um, from the crowd that destroyed Black Wall Street in the 1920s to the proud celebration of the land rush to break treaties with people who had already suffered prior broken treaties and the trail of tears. It's a place where the quote unquote usual suspects are always brown and black or red. This person said red. I don't know if that's a proper thing to say. Um, the echoes of the echoes that of that legacy ring throughout this sad story in a place where the where the manifest destiny is only good for white people. The series hits at the way that racism both helped the police locate the murderer um, or who they thought was the murderer and how distrust of the white police kept him from conviction. So this person believes that this, that Leroy was the murderer. Um, however, it doesn't fully chase down the thread of the story and address how the anguish of both sides of the story could elevate the murders to to a comment on the Oklahoma culture of four decades ago. It instead squanders the journalistic moment to nostalgia about the red dirt and small towns, which they do say so many times in the documentary. Mm -hmm. Um, The series misses a second opportunity to explore the lawsuit between the families. So there was a lawsuit between Mm -hmm. the families and the magic empire council, which failed to hold the council liable for leaving three girls alone in an unprotected tent. It misses a third opportunity by not interviewing any of the indigenous community who knew the accused murderer. The lack of bravery is a pity. And I think that's that when I read that, I was like, Mm -hmm. that's it. There was no balls in this Mm -hmm. documentary because a better investigation might have given the parents more relief and the jury who apparently freed a rapist some solace. Instead, it makes it makes the DNA evidence frustrating and gives little relief to the grieving families. And I was just like, the bravery part is like mm-hmm. what I agree with most. There's mm-hmm. no, there's so many different points of view, but said nothing. Yep. Can I tell you what this reminds me of mm-hmm. when it's Kristen approaching the story? And again, I would love to hear Kristen's yeah. account of how she was pitched to this. But to me, this is trauma co-opting. This is, Mm -hmm. so this is for me, Mm -hmm. being in Florida, this is everyone who knows someone who was at Pulse the night Pulse happened. Yeah. Yeah. This is everyone co-opting that that idea of like the tragedy of something and just Mm -hmm. uh, fetishizing the, the tragedy and the like bad feelings when you weren't actually connected to it. You weren't actually friends with someone. And again- if you're out there getting angry about this, you're probably not who I'm talking about. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's those things that I'm just using pulse because it's a recent thing or, or people who still fetishize a, a need for racism uh, around nine 11 when you've got like New Yorkers are like, bro, we had to move on. Like the city had to keep moving. We will forever remember it, but we're not sitting there like self-flagellating and using it as an excuse for like American imperialism and racism. Mm-hmm. This is that thing where like, it just feels in really poor taste to these girls memory mm-hmm. and legacy and the overall legacy of what they could be changing for. Cause you know, it doesn't mean I would argue that for the communities of color there, it has probably gotten even worse for them than it was then. Oh yeah. Like uh, it's just looks a little different, but and it's, um, veil- yeah. it's veiled in that Southern like honey. Yep. Yep. And so I think the, this could have been used. Also, the fact that they're not using this as like a way to get the Center for Missing and Exploited Children out there. They're not using this as like a thing. Also, like I forgot that 
they, that woman was even there. I forgot she's about in one scene. Like, she's in I a forgot, single scene. Like the fact this, that yeah. an entire episode wasn't about that organization and what they were doing for that and yep. other cases like it. Like, yep. it's just like the fact he, that there's not a profiler there to be mm-hmm. like this. Like we have the sheriff talk about how the girls were murdered. And like, I'm sorry, sheriff, you're not an expert. You are a sheriff of a small town. You are not an expert on forensic psychology. Like neither am I, my guy, but like, but like there are experts out there that understand why a killer kills a kills. Number one, a child, which is Mm -hmm. a whole different thing than an adult kills a child in a very specific way Mm -hmm. by strangulation, by sexual assault, by the dragging of the child mm-hmm. of of by the neck. Like, it was mm-hmm. so insidious and personal versus how the other two girls were murdered. But it was just like, that is, the amount of experts that probably watched that were like, you are missing so many key points that like, mm-hmm. it's just like the, so many failed opportunities. Because do you know what I think? they Something they didn't talk about because it didn't, this, they mentioned it a little that like it was getting a little bit of national coverage, but it didn't make full national coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of uh, we, we both have listened to enough true crime at this point to know this is also that time where you still had police forces between states and jurisdictions that were not making connections to related murders. Oh, yeah. That Did they, murder, didn't have, they didn't have CODIS back then. They yeah. Like, the, right? the yeah. Denise's the murder of Denise and the way he did it felt ceremonial. It felt yes. planned. It felt rehearsed um, in a way that the, like, it felt that like was an MO. His, that, that wasn't his first time doing something yeah, like that. Yeah, it felt like an MO. And I guarantee that if they had sat down and figured it out, I bet there are connected things from that. Because that's still, they say that uh, there was so much area there that you can still get lost in now that you can just disappear into. Mm. Um you know, there's just so much that we still haven't connected that we it was easily would have been connected if they had just made a fucking phone call. Yeah. But I think there was so much pride in that uh, police department that just nothing was going to get out. Matt, I think you make such a good point about how it's like was ritualistic and ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Um, so I take back what I said earlier and that this <laughs> this guy probably left a shit ton of evidence because, no, you're mm-hmm. right. Like it was so specific. I mean, the way in which Lori and Michelle, no. Um, shit. Yeah, Lori Mich- Yeah, I think no. Michelle, yes. Yeah. Um, Lori and Michelle were murdered. Was like so brutal, but mm-hmm. like unceremonial. Um, mm-hmm. where you know, I don't know, and I think that's why the immediate link between oh, white people don't have these type of ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Well, what's another group in the area that has mm-hmm. ceremonial practices? Ah, the indigenous community. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like, that was their first thing where it's just like, um, not that I want to go to like the space of like satanic panic, but there is like, there are other groups of people who have ceremonies like, mm-hmm. and I'm not, well, satanic panic was a fucking bullshit, but like, yeah. you know, um, but there are like other cults that do weird shit. <laughs> like, and there are just fucked up people that create their own ceremonies in their own minds. And mm-hmm. like, it's just, uh, you want fucked up ceremonies, white Christians. Hello, white Protestantism. Hello. Check out our episode about, mm, yes, about white, theater, white Christian theater. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Check it out. 
That's but, a hard episode for me to get through. I'm like, wow, we talked about this, but this is hard. Did. Yeah, <laughs> this is a tough it's, one. we have a couple episodes that I can't really re-listen to, and that's one of them. Yeah, because it's like I'm like I, I download it for <laughs> for, for uh-huh, analytics, but yep, it is yep, hard uh-huh, to listen uh-huh, to. Yeah. I, I think it's just at the end of the day, Em, that it's a crime that this is how they decide to tell the story and not mm-hmm. actually do help. Because, listen, we are literally solving cold cases from 100 years ago now that have less, uh, like, the literally have less DNA. things. It's true. I mean, like, there's just, there's so much. And they, I mean, okay, let's talk familial DNA for a second. He had children. Could they not? just test his could they also not dig up his body because oh wait it would probably oh look prove them wrong again i don't well, want to they, just they probably did have his if he was already incarcerated they probably already did have his dna right on file right? in his fingerprints well no because he died in he died in 79 in prison from a heart attack so they would have had his fingerprints yeah but i don't think they were collecting because dna wasn't a thing for them to test because it they weren't um, you weren't able to test DNA till like eighty seven or eighty nine. So they and weren't. Then, so maybe the thought of collecting other DNA. Yes, they probably didn't had. have a DNA sample file, but I mean they had they well, and the blood was too decomposed at that time. But they could have at least gotten partial matches of his blood with that blood. I, I don't mean, know. There's, I mean, it, Hello, hello, hello. Okay, his, his, brain goes his, ADHD. His son I'm is probably thinking, still alive. Like his well, son I'm is probably thinking, still alive. I'm even thinking of like. Just as as a woman and constantly thinking I'm going to be murdered or attacked, I'm always known to like, if anything, scratch, 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 scratch. And um, and I'm just like, did they check under Denise? Because it probably wouldn't have happened for Lori and Michelle. But like, did they check underneath Denise's fingernails? Did they collect any of that? Because if the motherfucker who had scratches all over him. Like, and, and if he was a different skin tone than her you would be able to tell like yep. it's i mean because we hope that kids have short nails but also she was a little girl and it was the 70s so who she knows may have, she may be painting her nails yeah it's can we also talk about wait can we also talk about how they didn't open up the and this is quite graphic but that they didn't open up the the sleeping bag with the other two girls in it until like uh-huh. hours later, they're just fucking standing around. And finally one guy was like, open, open it the fuck up. We don't know if these little girls are still alive or not. Like you're exactly. just assuming like, there was just so much like assumption of like, kind of like chewing that straw. And I'm like, do your fucking job. Like what are these taxes fucking going to? Also? Cause they wouldn't have told us if those girls died after their, because all that they could tell you is if the the wounds were inflicted pre-mortem or post-mortem. And of course it's going to be pre-mortem, but then you don't actually know because it was so bloody and like how yeah. rigor set in, they would have been able to tell from how the body pulled in the, in the blood pulled in yeah. the body of what was left. If those girls had died before they slumped into the bottom of that bag, because I'm sure they won't tell us, but like, wouldn't that just be a thing to pick apart? Everything is if it could be proven that those girls died after, because they were found not long after the the crime actually took place. Like well, it was yeah, not but they were long. apparently very cold to the touch. Well, but didn't they say one of the girls was, well, Denise was still Denise warm, was, right? Denise, it hadn't been too long. But st- I'm sure I'm sure there's so much that we don't know about this because they're not letting us know, which is normal. But like, yeah. I also feel like it's been almost 50 years at this point, and like, 
feel like we know more about the Delphi murders than these girls. Well, or like, I feel like this is something that we need, like the next level Michelle McNamara to start yeah. picking apart. Also because oh, I, I rest in power that woman, but I guarantee that if you started going back and looking at murders of women between the ages of like five and 20 mm-hmm. in a tri-state area mm-hmm. In the two years before, in the three or four years after, I guarantee, I guarantee you're going to find a least, few others that are very similar. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, maybe not like, at a Girl Scout camp, because I feel like that would have been made known, but maybe it was just a, you know, because every killer perfects their, their technique and then has the one where they get caught. Yeah, the serial killer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, or well, like, yeah, or yeah. when they want to get caught. Yes. I, I, think a, I think a lot of times it's like, I mean, unless you, you know, you've got like Golden State who never wanted to get caught, but like, you know, it, so many times these, <laughs> these killers mm-hmm. kind of run out of steam and they're like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like I'm tired. Like it, ugh. but you know, it's just like, ugh, there had to have, there has to be like, you're right. Like it's so ceremonial. That's like. This could not have been this person's first time at this rodeo. Like mm-hmm. this, it was too calculated. Also the two, even the two girls who were killed quickly, quote unquote, a mm-hmm. clear and concise blow to the head like that. They had to be experienced in not even just hunting, but like, mm-hmm. like a kill. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know someone that has law enforcement or military training or a military training military training it's always military training and that was the okay. 70s so that's post vietnam post uh post well Korea. yeah vietnam i was looking it up because i was like i was you know i was trying to think about like civil rights and like mm-hmm. i was trying to think about like okay well when i was thinking about like when martin luther king died and when jfk died because i'm very bad with dates so i was just trying to like see if anything had happened right at this mm-hmm. time and it was a couple of years after um those major deaths and um but Vietnam had ended just a couple of years before, maybe like I, yeah, yeah. I think so, it was seventy five, yeah. And the and back then trauma and mental trauma mm-hmm. was not fucking dealt with. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are still like who have got who like came home are still mm-hmm. dealing with it. Um, because also, let's talk about how much how much staff there is needed to keep a camp running, even beyond your camp counselors. And that was a camp that was used for other things, not just the Girl Scout camp. So, you know, there had to have been a lot of people with access to that area. There's just so many more questions that I'm sure somebody else has already asked that I'm sure we could get in trouble for asking. But like, there's just got to be more and there's got to be answers. There just has to be answers for those three little girls. And I... Kristen, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, a chorus of for good is not going to remember them, but we're at the point where we don't need to remember. We need to avenge. Like in the days of true crime, where so many of us can add our voices to this. Yeah. Like it was, I was listening to True Crime Obsessed last night on the way home, or um, Obsessed with Disappeared last night, because I just started listening to the podcast, you know, about six months ago. And so I have working, I'm working modern through back, and they just did, um, the disappearance of Sage Smith from like 45 minutes from my hometown in Charlottesville. Oh, wow. Um, and who was a trans woman who like obsessed uh, or uh, disappeared, spent the entire time misgendering 
and like all of these things and it was a case from like 2013 so like mm. and they made and like the it, uh, the episode is literally from like a year and a half ago like that when it was broadcast on tv so like they knew so it's all these things that i'm just like they're all like all i could think oh of the, us, like, the the tv show the TV show broadcast that episode. It was made like a year and, and a half and ago. And was misgendering. Misgendering Sage. They were Sage. using her dead name. I mean, her family was as well. And they were like, oh, uh, she didn't care what she was called. Like it was whatever. But like Joey and Ellen would land in and they were like her Facebook post from right before she died said, I am a woman. I would like to be used these pronouns. Yeah. And so that's what they, they handled it with a lot yeah. of respect. Yeah. But all I could think of driving home last night from Orlando was. I need queer people to take that story and do a documentary podcast about the trans women that have been killed in that area of Virginia mm -hmm. and like, or have gone missing because it's not even like just murder. It is missing. Have they been trafficked? Like what happened? Those families deserve. Murder, yeah. yeah. These families deserve so many answers and their legacies, especially for these young queer people who were and not just killed. biological families like chosen, chosen family families. yeah literally um and you know what in that situation it was also probably one of her chosen family that kind of set her up mm. to it's pointed in that way but again no work has been done on that case since then so like her poor family is just chilling out and so it's just it's an absolute crime but even i was thinking about this today because I told you, I mean, this will be almost a, a year ago now when this happened. I was watching or listening to one of the episodes of My Favorite Murder, mm -hmm. and they had a survivor on. And it was the first time the survivor was able to tell their story and gave the perspective of what yeah. true crime podcast and true crime. Well, they were. she was telling the story and that her case was used when she was going to law enforcement. And she said something, and I told you, I was like, and my blood ran cold. Cause she said it was about those three other girls and I was doing the time and I went, no, 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 no. That's not possible. Mm -hmm. And I looked it up and her, I didn't realize that they'd ever found the guy who kidnapped one of my classmates in school who it made national news. So I went to, uh, I was in band with Katie Liss. I think, I believe it was Katie. It's been 20 years now uh but when katie and Kristen lisk and sophia silva went missing from my area of virginia and i remember that a movie was made right after called kiss the girls that was connected to it and everybody got really upset about it to the point mm -hmm. that our regal cinema wouldn't even show it mm -hmm. in um but i was just thinking i was like i how it was that was like the first time i ever connected with like true evil in the world is when your mom's just like remember somebody's gonna kidnap you and to actually have it happen to somebody yeah. i realized in that situation that i was like oh i haven't thought about this in years other than that is one of my weird like oh my god it's my hometown yeah but like what that means beyond and like i didn't even know beyond that that like the guy had been caught and they figured out who it was because she, this other woman escaped and she spent her entire life committing herself to true to actual education for law enforcement to missing women's like things and i was just like oh that's what's missing about kind of this idea of all of our obsession with true crime and kind of our connection with it or even people that are like oh yeah i'm connected to this super haunted thing and so i feel like this is that moment with Kristen that it was just like oh I could have literally set this up and it'd be like, we're going to do that story because I'm connected to it or whatever. And just been like, I, I would have probably been no better than like what this came across doing that because it's just that, that moment. So it's, I get what they were trying to do, I guess, but it's just a shame because it was such a missed opportunity, like in the and, long run. 
And what, when reading the reviews, and this is just like, I, I just got, what, what in, angered me about the reviews that I was reading just from like the public was just like, everybody's tearing Kristen apart. Yeah. And I'm just like, she's not the culprit. Like she didn't mm-hmm. edit this. She, she didn't write the script. Mm-hmm. Um, she, we don't know, like we said, like, we don't know what she was, um, what was pitched to her. We don't know what mm-hmm. her side of the story is. Like she doesn't say anything cruel. She doesn't say right. anything no. like she's, she's trying to connect with it. Like maybe yeah. trying to like dig deeper to get out more answers that they might be like, because in those interviewing processes, like they fucking try to make you dig as deep as possible. And like, mm-hmm. she may have been like, there's nothing else to dig. Mm-hmm. So I have this organization. Maybe I can have someone mm-hmm. perform for these parents. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I, I just get what upset me. I was just like, even people watching are, are just seeing the surface level. Like, yes, it's uncomfortable mm-hmm. and it's blatantly like something is amiss here, but it's mm-hmm. easy to blame the woman who has allowed you know, personality on the screen rather than the system that is creating it mm-hmm. and the system that needs to be questioned. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I was like, y'all are fucking doing it right now. Like, don't you mm-hmm. see you're fucking yeah. doing it too? Like, yeah. question everything else that is not being seen. Like, mm-hmm. question the puppet master because those yes. are the people, like, she might be, and I'm not saying that Kristen is a puppet without a mind, but like, in this instance, like, when you don't have control over the editing of a process, mm-hmm. you I don't think that that person who's speaking on screen can truly be held responsible for everything. Like, yep. it just annoys me. I mean, because also, uh, you know. I think she's she got can, a good heart and I think she cares she, yeah. a lot, but like, <laughs> she's not the teller of the tale. Like, And this is something that Kristen also kind of her whole life, she's always had a good heart and good intentions. Because like, there was a point where like, she didn't particularly support gay rights and it took her time to come around and she was vocal against it and then was super vocal for it. Wow, so this is just kind of that. something like Kristen learns and grows because she is, you know, she says in this she's 53. Like, so it's one of those she's things evolved. like- She's yeah, she evolves and we all hope to evolve and change. And so also she's from a generation of actors that like didn't particularly um like uh like would not they they don't ask questions necessarily when they take a job. They have a thing pitched to them and she probably went, they're going to handle with this with grace and care. Mm -hmm. And so she just did her part. So like again, we're not trying to shit on Kristen, but like it's just kind of tone deaf from top to toe. So I mean I saw on IMDB that it's got like a two and a half stars. And And I think (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes doesn't there is I was I was like, what does Rotten Tomatoes say? It has like a twenty percent, but like I was just there's another part for like how many tomatoes does it get or something like that. It was like it's like, there's not enough information. It's like, we yeah. won't even try. <laughs> no, like, what's the thing is there is a smearing of, you know, if you go somewhere and they're like, oh, there's food and snacks laid out. And it's just like, if you've done craft services or you've got a tech table and it's like day old fruit, uh, it's like soggy, um, soggy, like Oreos. Yep, and then like (laughs) white bread that's crusty on the outside with like a smear of mayo and government cheese to get people through. Oh, Oh, there's always a. Or they just leave. They just leave like, uh, like cold cuts out on the table all day, and they put them out at nine in the nine in the morning. So by the time you actually get dinner, and you're just like, like, huh, is is that an is that a new kind of amoeba growing on that turkey or is that swiss i can't tell oh is that ham is that chicken we don't know 
Uh, but uh, am, any any kind of final thoughts as we're wrapping up? No. I, <laughs> I'd love uh, to say yes. No, I'm yeah, just like, no. I'm tapped. I think honestly, my thing is for people, unless you've already sat through it, which I would love to hear what anybody's thoughts who have watched it, but I would say go and put your time towards like um, uh, what happens in the dark, like watch that, like see, like really, I would say if you're interested in documentary storytelling, watch it and see kind of what isn't done well here and compare it. But like, I would say this is one to kind of avoid, miss it, skip it out like what like whatnot it's like just follow it's, your gut instinct at the end of yeah. episode one where you go this is weird stop yep. watching yep stop <laughs> watching there's so many and honestly i looked the director has been working since like 2007 and he's done a couple of like uh, uh mysteries unknown and stuff for television he did a couple episodes of john walsh's tv show oh he's only done like 10 projects in the last like 12 years or so and so like that's still a lot but like it's like single episodes of tv not full Mm. documentary series like this so i'm wondering if just maybe that experience bringing brought to it too because there was a single writer and a single director and i think when that happens on a documentary series that it's you're just missing you're missing the moments just a little i'm sure that there's good podcasts about it too that like really i just i trust i trust investigative podcasts so much more than i trust like absolutely like um tv aired ones because i just feel like people can get more gritty and don't have to please as many people when they're doing a podcast um i mean there's so much to say about cereal but adnan's out (laughs) so it's out and also you know i mean that's probably more rabia doing her work but like oh queen oh my god so i have to share with everybody so uh uh, i sent em a screenshot from the um uh, obsessed disappeared facebook group because rabia and ellen have a new podcast it won't be new by the time this comes out but it's actually really good and it's where i got a lot of my thoughts on this episode because their first episode is just the two of them talking about scott and lacey peterson Mm -hmm. and how what we know about scott is only based on what the media told us which is so much happened in this story too everybody's opinion is based specifically off what was released in the media and none of us actually know the facts about what happened with it's good because honestly at the end of it i don't think scott killed lacey (gasps) i think because everybody focuses everybody focuses on amber fry Mm-hmm. and the affair and this is where i came this is where i kind of got that mind thought of that like shitty people can do shitty things but they didn't necessarily do this shitty thing yeah. like yeah scott was a piece of shit for cheating on his pregnant wife that is not what is on trial here i think it's one of those things that kind of circle back to wrap up that i think it's just we have to be so sure of what we're being told and what we're being given because yeah. so much is available to us that it's also like we like we need to do the research ourselves. Like if you and I can have a podcast and research everything, everybody, cause I looked at Apple podcast the other day, there are like 700 true crime podcasts on Apple podcast, mm-hmm. 700. Like if every one of those I'm podcasts can do their research, more, to be quite honest, I thought me be too. I think that's in the U S I think that's like just mm-hmm. in the U the U S market, but, um, it, you can do your own research. Like that's a thing. Like it does not take much to do your research. Do it. Like yeah. just do it. And honestly, I think so much of the time, I think that's why you, at least for me, that's why I like covering cases that are from so long ago, because Mm -hmm. covering cases that are, well, I mean, you know, the fraud ones, it's like, eh, fuck them. But like cases that involve um, 
the death of so many people mm-hmm. when they're like more upset. It's it's really difficult to get through. Um, we've discussed yep. about Maddie and I have discussed about um talking about a certain case that we might bring to the to the um to episode to season two. But like I remember being like I because I, I had someone reach out to me being like I knew these people personally. I was like I have to do a better job because it's like mm-hmm. these people are still connected and it's not like talking about Lizzie Borden where like <laughs> it's just like that was so long ago and there's mythos around it now and you know it's it's tough it's tough to like unpack things that are still pretty recent Mm -hmm. at least in in terms of this type of storytelling so you want to do right by the people that deserve like especially the victims and the survivors of these situations so we're trying folks we're trying we're also it's like this balance of like being a storyteller Mm -hmm. entertaining and and educating at the same time it's a it is a weird balance that we've chosen to become part of (laughs) i think it's one of those things that it it is put so forward well that there's not enough grace is given to the story of the victims because we focus so much on the people that do it not on the people that lost their lives or are affected by it and so i think that's the legacies of those um that are trying to like families that are trying to create a legacy yep. of that this this um, which i've yeah. i've thought about a lot because this is in like the weeks after Dahmer came out with evan peters and there's been a lot of conversation about i can't either i just can't do it also like i'm tired of watching gay people be killed i'm Same. just tired I'm of just it like i'm over it i can't also i'm, so sick I'm tired it. i'm tired of people simping after serial killers just because they're like pretty white dudes like fuck off i'm tired of it i'm sick of it yeah but M, thank you for coming on this movie. I have, <laughs> thank, you. Thank, our, you for, our, thank you for delighting in my need to unpack this with someone. Of course. Well, and we've had kind of fun doing this. So as we have time, I think we're going to try to drop one of these monthly for you guys where we just do kind of, we it's, pull, pull inspiration like, from other people where we're yeah. like, let's, let's do some least he- less heavy things for you that require a little less research for M and I while for we're in sure. the off season. For yeah. Sure. And also for we're like, sure. for sure. And we're like, wow, we can, we can make this make sense because they sing wicked. So <laughs> we can Well, it is Kristen. I do think I do think that that connection alone is is there and it's worth it. If Jessica Absolutely. Voss can do it, I can do it. Absolutely. I mean, Patty Lapone, I mean, I've got my own opinions, but Patty Lapone has said that she is an ambulance chaser. So I'm like And bitch quit equity this week. So maybe we can get Patty on the podcast. She'll need something to do. <laughs> Um, oh I'm, I'm, you know, what? Well, uh, I'll offer her the network's uh, non-union touring rate for an educational tour. That's uh, what we'll be able to offer her, which I believe is going like one twenty-five a week right yeah, now. I was so going to say, I was like, I think, I think <laughs> I can afford that right now. I think it's about one twenty-five a week. I think if she's willing to take that non-union rate, we'll we'll do it. We this is not it. a seated contract. We'll do it. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> until next time, my friend. Until next time, my friend. Did you know Rob Thomas has been writing since the mid-90s? The Matchbox 20 guy? No, the guy behind Veronica Mars. Oh, and iZombie. And Cupid, Party Down, the Cupid reboot. I haven't seen those. Me neither, but we should watch them and then talk about them on our podcast. Yes, we could call it the Rob Thomas. No, not that one. Robcast. Every other Tuesday with Alex and MJ. Find us at notthatrobcast.libsyn.com or wherever you download podcasts. Let me guess. 
You're bummed because your acceptance letter from a certain school of witchcraft and wizardry was never delivered by Owl. Or you're sitting there wishing you could find more stories about wizarding schools that are a little more inclusive and open. I was just like you. Well, that was until I discovered Saved by the Spell. From Dreamer Productions, the company behind podcasts like Saturday Morning Confidential and Exit Stage Death comes Saved by the Spell, your spellbinding gateway taking you chapter by chapter through magical academies from across this literary reality and the next. Class starts in November, where you will go inside Breakbills University for magical pedagogy from Lev Grossman's The Magicians. Saved by the Spell can be found exclusively on Dreamer Productions' Patreon feed by following the link in the show notes below. So get ready, students, to be saved by the spell. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Exit Stage Death is brought to you by Dreamer Productions. This episode was audio engineered and edited by Maddie Limerick. And our theme is Antisocial Dance Party by Brett Eagleston from the Let's Rewatch podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Stage Death Podcast. On Twitter at Stage Death Pod. And send us your favorite chilling theater stories at Stage Death Podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Patreon.com at Dreamer Productions, where your donation of $2 a month keeps quality content coming your way on your favorite podcatcher app. Join us for more chilling true stories on the next episode of Exit Stage Death. CPOV. CertainPOV.com.